doing. Amen. And so, thank you. We were trying to fix our drums back here. There, uh, they got a cymbal out or something. So, we may be trying to replace them or get apart or something like that. So, we're we're thinking about that as well. If you got your Bibles, I'm going to be in Luke chapter ten. Luke chapter ten. Luke ten. Today, I preach on a sermon I've entitled "The Samaritan Servant." The Samaritan Servant, or the Good Servant. It's the Good Samaritan or the Good Servant, and he was that. I've been in a series, and I haven't. the Lord's not brought me out of it yet, and I'm not sure that I'm going to be. This will be my last a sermon on that. It may be, but uh, we've been preaching on what it means to go through this life together. And if, uh, if we are created in Christ Jesus for good works, if we are to be his servants, we believe that, right? We are to be his servants in this life. If we are to be his servants, then we need to figure out how to be servants. Are you with me? Amen. And so I don't think it's such a bad idea to spend time thinking about what it means to be a servant. I might have put Miss Jane's stuff over there in your bag. Got it fixed? Because I know she used to be over there, and now she's over here, so I'm no, I don't know. But anyway, glad you all fixed it. Glad you all fixed it. You've probably never heard of the name Harold Lowe. Anybody heard of that name before? Harold Lowe. He was actually on the Titanic. You've heard of that, right? He was on the Titanic. When the Titanic sank, there's all kinds of reasons why so many people people perish. There were only 20 lifeboats. It was originally it was originally designed to have 60 lifeboats that would have been able to hold everybody, but they moved it down to 20 for different reasons. And the reason they went from about 40 to about 20 is because they felt like the lifeboats that were around on the, on the Titanic were blocking the view of the first class passengers. And so they decided to get rid of about 20 lifeboats. So the first-class passengers could have a better view. Well, we know the story. The, it hits this iceberg in some very icy waters, and it begins to, to sink. Howard Lowe was one of the officers on that ship. He had been up a long time, and they worked long, long, a long time. He had gone to bed about 11.30 that night, and when it hit, he didn't hear it. It was about 30 minutes later before he woke up to, to what was going on, and uh, the Titanic was beginning was beginning to, to sink. And they began to let down these lifeboats over this, over this big ship, and people began to scramble for these lifeboats, and they rowed away from these things. And he was, his, his lifeboat, boat number 14, which is kind of famous, this lifeboat number 14, was the only one that turned back and rowed back in to the sinking Titanic in order to try to rescue some people that were perishing. Amen? And uh, he actually, you can actually see a, a picture. There's a picture of his, I, I meant to send it to you all, but there's a picture of his lifeboat with himself standing on, on this lifeboat with the, uh, with the, the sail, the mast up. And you could tell it was his, it was his only one. He put his mast up so he could sail back to the people. And you can still see images of his ship. And he came back and was trying to rescue people out of the water. Do you know that most people died not from drowning because they had life jackets on? There were like three, there was like 1,100 people died, 2,200 or so people were on ship. But there was uh, over 3,000 life jackets. But they didn't die from drowning, they died because they froze. The waters were just so cold and they were in there so long. They were still trying to rescue people out the next 
day the next morning. So all through that dark night, people were in those icy waters and you just couldn't, you just couldn't survive being in those waters that long. But Harold Lowe felt compelled to row back and to rescue as many people as, as he could. And uh, he, was, he was recognized for his heroism. And I asked myself, you know, what caused him to go back? Was it, was it his duty? Did he feel like it was his duty? Was it his training? He had been trained to do that. Or was it something more? Was it just this deep sense of love and compassion for people who were screaming, and you could literally hear the screams of people out in those icy waters. And I, I want to think it was the latter. I think it was the latter. They'd all been trained. All the officers had been trained, right? They all knew this sense of duty. But he had this deep sense of compassion that caused him to turn around and roll back. And part of the reason people were just afraid that if, if they went back, that the, the people would pull the lifeboat over or they, they themselves would be brought down with the undertow of the sinking Titanic or whatever it might have been. But for himself, he went back to rescue people. I want to talk to you today about this Good Samaritan. We've heard this sermon before, amen? We've heard this before. But I want to share with you this story again, and I want us to think about what it means for us to be servants through the eyes of this story that Jesus told. Now, before I read it and get into it, I want to tell you that the context the context of this story and the context of what I want to tell you, if I can kind of put us under an umbrella today, the context of this story is love, all right? And Jesus would say this, uh, the, the, this, this lawyer stood up and said, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus began to tell him, okay? Because he had, Jesus had first says, you are to love the Lord your God, right? You're to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you're to love your neighbor as your very self. And so Jesus is talking about love. And then he says, well, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus tells him this story. And so the context then, now listen, the context of this is love. Are you with me? Now let me say this as we get going. You'll hear this. But if we're not loving people, we're missing what it means to be a servant. Are you following me? We have, we have to be carrying out our mission as servants in a spirit of love. And if we, are get, if we get lost in something else, then we are not good servants. We may be servants. There were a lot of servants on the Titanic. Are you with me? There were a lot of officers on the Titanic, but only one of them proved to be someone who had compassion and love for some, for some dying people. Are you following me? There's plenty of servants in the church, but are we good servants? Are we the kind of servants that have wrapped ourselves in the mantle of love and we're serving that way? If we're not, we're missing it. Okay, we're in Luke chapter 10, and I've given you kind of the introduction and the context of what this story is about. And so I'm going to jump into verse 30 as Jesus tells this, this very familiar passage to us. Luke 10, beginning in verse 30, I'm going to invite you to stand as we honor the Lord in the reading of His Word. Jesus replied and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance a priest was going down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan who was on a journey 
came upon him. And when he saw him, he felt compassion. And came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, The one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do the same. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as you open, as we open up your word, we pray as we read it and think about it, your Holy Spirit would open up our hearts, that we would hear in our spirit what you're trying to tell us through this text. Lord, we're here today as your people to be your servants in a world that's dying with people that are lost. Help us, Lord, to be good servants, loving servants. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. I want to share with you three or four things about what I hope that we can be and what we see in this Samaritan about being a servant. First of all, we should be purposeful, purposeful. We are to live on purpose. Are you with me? We don't just get up and just... Here's another day, get in the shower, throw the clothes on, go wherever we're going, wherever we're working, right? Off we go, it's just another day, and we're trying to, trying to, you know, drudge through another day. That's not the way God's called us to live, amen? We're to get up every day and we're to live on purpose, on purpose. Well, what do you mean by that, living on purpose? Well, if, if we've, we looked at this, if God has told us, if His Word has told us that we are created in Christ Jesus for, say it with me, good works, right? God's created us to be doing His work, amen? We're to be His servants. Then we should get up every day and think, okay, Lord, what is it that's out there for me to do today that you might want me to have me to do? And sometimes we don't know. In this text, this Samaritan just happens to come along, and some Bible, some Bible translations has that. He happened upon him. He just happened. It just happens, right? He didn't know he was going to run into this, but it just happened. Now, I've told you this before, but my dad would, we, we were on a farm, and my dad would stay awake late at night making up lists for us, right? And I'd come in late. I was 16, 17. I'd come in late, and I'd be out running around with my friends or whatever, and I'd come up. He'd be up, and he would be in his recliner or and he would have his list out. And, that's, and I would ask him, Lord, Dad, what you doing? He said, well, I'm making a list out for what I want you boys to do tomorrow. Right? And I said, well, and I think to myself, good grief, <laughs> making, this, making this list out for us to do. Now, on one of those lists on one day was this. It was part of what we had to do among the 20 or 30 things we had to do. We had to fix, we had to fix the fence because the cows were getting out and going into the road, all right? And people would come by our house, and, and uh, they would bet, are the cows out by the Smith farm this week? And uh, people would bet on that. It's about a 50-50 chance that the cows would be in the road, and we'd be out there trying to herd them in, right? So it was fix the fence, fix the fence. And so, sure enough, we'd be out there to fix the fence. You know, you know when we started running the cows, you know how you could tell where the hole was, Miss Jane? 
How'd you know where the hole was? They went right back through it. The cows knew where <laughs> the cows they the cows smarter than you think they are. They'd go right back to that hole, right back where they're supposed to go. So that's where we knew. But anyway, we had that list. Now listen, if we'd really been good sons or good servants, we wouldn't really have needed a list to know that there's a bad place in the fence or the cows wouldn't be in the road. Are you with me? Are, are you following me? Are you, are you with me? Amen? Now listen to me. The Samaritan did not wake up one morning and there was a list on his coffee table that said, Help man lying in a ditch on the road today. There wasn't any such list, right? I don't, and I don't believe that. I mean, that could have been. I don't believe there was, right? Do you? There was no list. He's just, he's just on a journey, off on his day, wherever he was going, whatever he was doing. We don't know. The Lord doesn't tell us. But he's on a journey. He's got stuff to do, just like we do. And on the journey, here's this guy. And so what does he do? He is presented with someone who has a need. And this guy has a tough need, right? And so he's living on purpose. Are you following me? Are you following me? He's living with the purpose of being a servant to whoever he might can be a servant to wherever he's going in that day. Are you following me, church? If we want to be God's servants, good servants, We've got to live on purpose. We've got to think beyond ourselves and not so much about here's this day and this is what I've got to do, but we've got to be aware of people around us. And people around us often are not dripping blood and their clothes stripped off of them and lying in a ditch, but they may be hurting in other ways, emotionally, financially, spiritually. There are people at your school that may need a friend. There's teachers that are struggling. You just don't know what's going on with people. There's people that need encouraged and they need friendship and they need people to care about them all over the place. And we're seeing, we've seen a lot of that in our church just this past week. We've got people hurting. Think about it. Wes lost, Wes lost his only son, his only child. That's tough. Amen? And to lose, to lose a child. And some of you know that, some of you know how, how deep that pain is. And I want to tell you something. When you go through that, you might be the best minister of someone that's going through that that there is. And I would challenge you to, to reach out in those times. Are you with me? We are to live, first of all, on purpose. Live on purpose. Get up with a purpose of being God's servant. And I, I, I could almost, almost say this. We're not, to, we're not to really live on purpose. We're to love on purpose. Are you with me? Love on purpose. Love on purpose. I used to be a little song, what, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. That's what we can't get enough of. Amen? I believe that's true today in our world today. I believe our nation and our community and our families need people that know Jesus that love people. Not for something that we can get from them, but just because we want to encourage people. Are you with me? Amen? Live on purpose. Live on purpose. You have a purpose. It's to do good works. You're created in Christ to do good works. Live on purpose. Secondly, we are to be not only purposeful, we are to be intentional. Intentional. Now, you may say, well, that's kind of the same thing. But listen, I want to bring this just a little bit deeper and see if you can follow me. We don't just serve, but rather we have the intention of making an impact. Are you with me? 
Are you follow me? So not, not only would he live on purpose, but we, we want to be intentional. We want to intentionally make an impact in someone's life. Are you following me? We want to be intentional, intentional. Let me put it this way. Let's say that I like this ministry called a Habitat, Habitat for Humanity. Everybody know what that is? Habitat for Humanity. What do they do? They build houses. Let's say, you know, people, that's a good, it's a good ministry. You got single moms or whatever and people that need a home. And so, and so I go out and, and uh, I'm, I'm helping do whatever it is, handing shingles to somebody that knows what they're doing when they put them down, right? Or I'm helping hold the drywall wherever I'm told to hold it, whatever it is, right? And so we're doing what we're doing. And, but if all I'm doing is building a house and I'm not trying to be an encouragement to the people who would live in that house, if I'm not trying to be a witness to the person that would be living in that house, I'm not so sure just how great a ministry it is. Are you with me? It's not just about building a house. It's about making an impact in that life. So our service is not so much about doing something for other people, which we should, don't get me wrong. I'm not minimizing that. But it should go beyond that. We should be witnesses to people. We should be sharing Christ with people as we are serving them. Are you following me? We should be encouraging people, loving people, being their friends, being whatever we can be to bring people closer and closer to Jesus. You see, when people came to Jesus, we looked at this in Zoom meeting. Those of you that uh, want to join us, we got, we got three services going on. Amen? We're outside, we're inside, and we're virtual on Zoom. So whichever way. And we, you know, we've got, last week we had quite a few in our Zoom. So we got people here and people outside and people there. I'll be glad when we get all this done, we can all get back together. Amen? But we're just trying to minister to everybody right now. But, but listen, when Jesus healed people, let's say, for example, uh, there were 10 lepers that he healed. Y'all remember the story? That turned back, and, but one of them turned back. And then Jesus began to speak something different to this guy. He said, he said to him that you are really healed. You are really saved. Where are the other nine? Why didn't they turn back? You see, whenever Jesus heals someone, like Barnabas, when Barnabas was healed from his blindness, what happened? He became a follower of Christ. You see, when Jesus healed people, it was more than just healing them physically. He always moved them spiritually closer to himself. Are you with me? There was always a deeper intention that Jesus had when he touched people's lives physically. It was to move them closer to himself whether it's the woman with the issue of blood, whether it was Jairus' daughter, whoever it was, it was to move people closer to Him that they might have in a relationship with Himself. Are you with me? If we want to be good servants, and I would say great servants, then in our service, we should be intentional in trying to move people closer to God. Are you with me? And I think that's a little bit of the spirit about what Kelly's trying to tell us. He's wanting to, us as a people to begin to praise and to worship, not because he, he can make sure you see you sing, but to move us closer in our walk with Jesus. Are you with me? That's what, that's what he's trying to do. He wants to move us that way. And a good servant, a great servant, has the intention. They, they, have a, they get up with purpose, and then there's a deeper intention. They want to move people closer in a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
and hopefully that's what I do uh, as well as, as a, uh, a minister. That's what we want to do. Paul makes some bold statements in uh, 1 Corinthians 13. He says, our gifts, our great gifts of preaching or our great gifts of helps or singing or whatever our gifts may be, if they're not wrapped in the mantle of love, listen to me, they are, they profit us nothing. Are you with me? He says, if I, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, if I'm the greatest orator, I mean, if I can give the best sermon ever, and I can mesmerize you with all these words, but it's not wrapped in the mantle of love, then Paul says, it profits you nothing. Amen? And I think we have to be careful, church, listen to me, in whatever our service is, that we are intentional, and that it's wrapped in this mantle of love. Are you with me? Amen? Let's make sure that not only are we servants, but we're loving servants. It's... Uh, Man, if I'm if if I'm a minister, a pastor, and I'm not if I don't have a spirit of love about me, I'm I'm really missing something. And I would say that's true for whatever service you do. And sometimes it's hard because it gets frustrating. Amen. It gets frustrating. You know, we all get frustrated, and there's always struggle, especially during this time. It's been difficult. You know, it's for everybody. But gosh, we got to remember that we're people called to love people. Amen. Okay, verse 33, it says that this Samaritan was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. But the Samaritan, who was on a journey, came upon him. When he saw him, he felt compassion. Uh, the word compassion has to do with the movement of your inner, your inner self, your inner feeling. They felt like the seat of emotion was in the bowels, okay, <laughs> for whatever reason. But he was moved with compassion. He had a feeling of compassion. I, I, I hope that we can get back to being a people that feel for other people. Some empathy. Are you with me? That we would feel, we would kind of feel in our heart what other people are going through. And we could put ourselves there and love people. Let's, let's commit to loving people. Loving people. Wherever, you, wherever you're at. At your work, at your school, at home, wherever it is, Wake up each day, live on purpose, and be intentional of moving people closer to Jesus Christ. Thirdly, be sacrificial. Be sacrificial. A servant serves others. Great servants love while they're doing it. Be a servant and be sacrificial. I believe being a servant and being inconvenienced go hand in hand. I do. Now think about what a servant was. A servant was, was at, at the, the beck and command of whatever his Lord told him to do, right? And so whatever it was the Lord told him to do is what he's going to do. And he didn't gripe about it, doesn't complain about it. It's just whatever he was told to do, that's what the servant's going to do. Are you with me? Amen. And sometimes when we're asked to do something and the Holy Spirit comes along and says, I want you to try to minister to this person, and the first thing you think of is, well, this is not a good time. This is an inconvenient time. Listen to me. Being a servant and being inconvenienced go hand in hand. And if you never want to be inconvenienced, then you're not going to be a, a servant. Are you with me? Because they're just going to go hand in hand. Uh, my dad with his famous list, uh, there are plenty of times I had other things. I had my own list, right? 
I had my own list. I had shoot ball with my friends for a couple of hours. About dinner time, eat lunch. Go to up to the sinks and swim. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, come back. Uh, call up some pretty girl and go on a date. Right, whatever. Right, you know, go with me. I had my own list, not this list that he had. Chop thistles, build the fence, put the hay up, make sure you milk this evening. I had my own list going on. To be a servant meant you're going to be inconvenienced. You're going to be inconvenienced. And so we have to be sacrificial. We have to make those sacrifices. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice. We know that, amen? We're here today because of that. We worship Him because of that. He made that ultimate sacrifice. Listen to me. Even while He was dying, while He was dying, He was intentional. Are you with me? Even while He was dying. The thief on the cross over there says, remember me when you, when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, now listen, I'm not trying to, to belittle this, but he's, he's, he's stretched out, he's suffering, and an agony that, that I don't think any of us would know or understand. Being separated from the Father, dying this horrific death, and this, this thief who had just prior had been cursed him now says, Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. What would Jesus have said? He would have said, listen, not now, I'm paying for the sins of the world right now. I don't have time to fool with you right now. Right? I, I'm, I'm on this big purpose. I'm giving my life for this. I'm paying the debt of the sins of the world to all who would believe. I'm dying for that right now. But in the middle of that purpose, in the middle of that, what's he doing? He's not forgetting even someone who needs him. It's amazing, isn't it? The fact that he would have this conversation with this thief and forgive him and encourage him and tell him this day you'll be with me in paradise is in, in itself a great act of love. Amen? And he does the same thing. With th he's thinking about as he's dying, he's thinking about his mother. In his sacrifice, Christ is thinking about how he can minister to other people that are around him. That's the greatness of Jesus. Now, none of us are Jesus, of course. But listen, what I'm saying is this. Whenever you go out to be God's servant, there's going to be times you're going to have to sacrifice. There's times you're inconvenient. There's times you go the extra mile. There's times you reach out even though you don't feel like it. Are you with me? Amen? Because that's what love does. To every one of us who would have who would have the boldness to call themselves a servant. Your service and sacrifice mean nothing again if love is missing. Amen. Are we servants? Listen, now listen to me. Then wrap yourself in love. I believe that's the most important thing a servant can do is love. I do. Is to be, is to be filled with Christ's love. Now we've looked at the idea that we need to be to living on purpose, to be looking for those opportunities. But not only just opportunities to serve, but to go beyond that, to be intentional in our service, to bring people closer to Christ. And it's going to be sacrificial. This Samaritan, it wasn't his plans. He, he, went, he, he had to go out of his way, go find an inn, put him on his own donkey, take time to bandage him. For his, he had to go out of his way. He had to make these sacrifices. He had to pay the innkeeper. It cost him a little bit of money. Now, wait a minute, I don't mind being a servant, but don't start talking about money, Brother Joe. Are you with me? Amen? Don't bring that up, right? But he had to, 
it cost him some money to do what God had called him to do. Finally, be faithful. Be faithful. One summer, we were uh, putting up straw. Uh, we normally didn't put up a lot of straw. We just we just scrawled square bales. We we didn't we didn't have a round baler. We didn't have one of those round balers. I remember those round balers first come out. I say, Dad, I want you to look at that. <laughs> look at those round balers. Look at that, Dad. And he'd say, Yeah, I see those things over there. And I say, Wonder what one of those would cost, Dad. I say, Dad, I bet you can wonder how many. I say, Dad, wonder how many square bells would be in one of the round bells. Adam probably knows how many square bells would be in a round bell. Twenty. I was telling Dad fifty, so I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I was. I was hyping it up, right? Yeah, I was. I was hyping it up, but we never could get. So we were just always square bell. One summer, Dad had some straw and some other people's land, and he had. We had like ten thousand bells of straw to put up. Now, that might not sound like a whole lot to you, but when you're a kid, I was probably Jonathan's age or maybe a little bit, you know, about Jonathan's age. That seemed like a lot. It just seemed like there was no end in sight to the, to the straw bells that were out there. You with me? It was, just all, it was all over the place. And the farm was, the, here's the good thing about it. The farm was like a 20 minutes from where we, when we had the hollis was 20 minutes from where the barn was that we had to put it in. That's kind of nice, right? Because you get that 20-minute rest, you know what I mean? All right, and so we loaded up, and it would be on this old, we had this old international ton truck, and we had these bells. We would get these bells as high as we could get them. I don't know why we never thought to rope them down. It's just common sense, right? But you know people in Tennessee lack common sense, so we just, it had been so easy just to rope them down. It would have took no time. I don't know why Dad never had us rope them down. But anyway, they weren't roped down. But we were up there, and of course, kids like to, like to ride where? On the top. So we're scrambling up there on the top. So we're on this big old truck and these bales of straw, and, and we're, we're heading home, right? And Dad hits this railroad track. It's about like the ones over at uh, Dick, uh, Dick's Dam over there. You ever gone too fast over Dick's Dam railroad track over there? No? I tell you, I was in Clyde, Brother Clyde's car. I took him to the doctor and was bringing him home one day. And I was just coming through there about, I don't know, 50 mile an hour. And he said, you better slow this thing down. And I said, and after I was over it, I said, yeah, I should have slowed this thing. But anyway, when we hit those railroad tracks in that truck, bales and people were going everywhere. We were all, it was just straw and people just scrambling. And I was looking for a bale. You know why I was looking for a bale? Why was I looking for a hay, a hay bale? As I was following, I was looking for a hay bale. Why, Claudia? I was, I was looking for my own personal uh, straw bag or airbag. You with me? I'm, I'm serious. I was trying my best to land on some straw bales because that pavement did not look soft at all. And so we were flying all over there. And I mean, just, we just, it just threw us all. We were all just scattered all over the place. Well, what, what, what would we do? Well, we just stopped, right? We just stopped. And uh, we went back and loaded it all back, started over. Uh, we had this big fight over uh, who was actually the stacker, right? Who was supposed to be the, st <laughs> the, st the stack person, right? Now listen to me. Life is full of bumps in the road. Life is full of bumps. 
Everything we've put together and we stack together at times are going to come flying off at times in our lives. How many of you know that's true? Man, you're going to... I mean, you, you thought everything was just perfectly going and you were doing fine and all of a sudden the next thing you know, everything's flying in every direction and you're scrambling to try to figure out what you're going to do. Are you with me? Amen. And it's true in our life. It's true in the lives of other people. And it's easy to get caught up in saying, Lord, everything in my life's crazy going on right now. I don't have time to be the servant. My life's just going upside down right now. And listen to me. It always seems to be some bell <laughs> falling off the truck somewhere, right? But God calls us to be faithful. Even when things are coming apart on us, even when things aren't exactly what we hope they would be or could be, we're to be faithful. We're to keep serving. And if you think about it, there's other people's lives that are coming apart as well. Amen. And as this Samaritan is on this journey, and I haven't talked to you about how Samaritans were despised and all this stuff, but as this Samaritan was on this journey, he, he came across this guy whose who's truck just went over some pretty tough tracks and everything's, everything's in a mess. He, he needed some help to get his life back together. Amen. And this, this Samaritan was faithful to recognize that. And he went back to helping him. Now, let me say this. God is going to be at work in ways that you have no idea how he's going to, how he's going to, to work. Amen. He's going to be working in ways you do not know. You can't figure it all out. You're not going to ever figure it out. He uses many people. It wasn't, just, it wasn't just going to be him. Here's the guy at this end. God would use him. Different people. God's always going to use different people. You're not the end. You're not the end all of someone you're maybe trying to reach. Let me say that. Paul said some planted and some watered, whatever, but God gave the increase. Are you with me? We don't do it all. You won't do it all. You do what you can. You do what God calls you to do. You love people. Plant a seed, water that seed, whatever it is. God will take care of it. Are you with me? Amen. God's at work. You just, you just sow into their life love and be that servant and trust God. Samaritan couldn't do it all. He couldn't solve the crime rate on the road to Jericho. It wasn't, it wasn't what he could do. And he didn't get it. That wasn't the last person that fell into robbers on that road, I can assure you. Amen. He couldn't restore peace between the Jews and the Samaritans. He couldn't do it. It was this great animosity and this hatred between Jews and Samaritans. That's why Jesus told us about a Samaritan. He couldn't solve that peace. Couldn't bring peace. He couldn't bring the attackers to justice. He couldn't find them and identify them and drag them into the... He couldn't do all... There's so much he couldn't do, but he could do something. Are you with me? And what the Holy Spirit showed him to do without there having to be a list on his coffee table when he felt this in his heart, when he felt this compassion, when he had this love that was stirring up in his heart, that's what he did. Are you with me? 
And if I ask myself today, why is it that the church is missing the love it needs to have? I guess it's because there's not the compassion in us that we should, we should be having. But I believe the closer we are to Jesus, the more kind of love that we'll have for other people. I believe that go, they go hand in hand. He couldn't do it all. But he could be faithful in what God wanted him to be. He could love and serve and bless and encourage. He could do what he could do. In the end, church, listen, in the end, what will Jesus say to us? In the end, when we come into his kingdom, what is he going to say? You know this. Well done, my good, the good servant. Well done, my good. I believe a good servant is purposeful and intentional and sacrificial and loving. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Not well done, servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I think we still got a lot to learn about what it means to be God's servant. That's what we're here for. Amen. If you're here today and perhaps you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, He's waiting on you to, to be His child. He wants you to receive Himself, to put for you to put your faith in Him, that you might know Him, that you might be a part of this work. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I invite you to just uh, come and I'll pray with you and you can invite Christ in your life. I'll put my mask on. We'll sit down and look at the Bible together and we'll, we'll see what it really means for us to call upon the name of the Lord. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Romans 10, 13. I just love that verse. Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I love that verse. If you've never received Christ, I invite you to open your heart up to receive Him. But I do pray this church today that I pray that we would all in our own hearts ask the Lord to help make us more faithful, loving servants. Are you with me? And uh, I don't think any of us are there yet. Lord, help us to be loving, faithful servants. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for this text. We've heard it preached to us so many times about this man who was moved with compassion and saw a need and began to go about doing what he could to help. And he was filled with love. He was filled with compassion. Lord, help us not just to get up and trudge through every day, but help us to get up each day with a purpose and an intention to be loving to get up and be willing to make some sacrifices. Lord, to get up each day and say, Lord, today I'm not taking the day off. Today I'm not taking a vacation. I'm still your servant today. In Christ's name, all God's people said, Amen. And one last Kelly.